Good morning, good morning, good morning. And if you were in here just for the last few moments, that song that was just on, it's so powerful because it talks about who Jesus is. Jesus, Lord, at his birth. It didn't take the cross and it didn't take the resurrection for him to be Lord. He was and is and forever shall be King of Kings. You know, I love what David says when he's thinking about the house of God. He said, better is one day in the courts of our God than a thousand everywhere else. I, I hope that resonates with your heart this morning. I hope as you come in today that you can resonate with what David said. Man, it's so much better to be in the house of God than, than a thousand other places that we could be today. There's just something powerful about being in the house of God. You know, look, if, 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 if you're not in the house of God this morning, if you're uh, with us online today, we're really glad that you're here. We know there's a thousand reasons why, uh, especially in this pandemic world, that you may not be in this house today. And you being where you are, because God's outside of time and space, is as powerful as it is being in this room when we're in his presence. But there's something special, I believe, about being in the house of God. There's something special about being reminded when we walk through those doors that it's not about us. That really it is about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so today as we begin to worship, can I encourage you to take the next hour or so and just allow it to be about Him. Allow all the other thoughts and all the other struggles and all the other things that's on your agenda, that's on your to-do list, because I got to-do lists, just fade away for a little bit and take a little bit of time and just tell them, Daddy, it's so good to be in the house with you. Can you guys just stand with me? Let me pray really quick.
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised in the city of our God. The mountain of your holiness, Lord. Holy, holy, holy. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of your government and peace, Jesus, there is no end. So we've come today, we've come today, Daddy, to worship you. Jesus, we've come today to praise you. You were Lord at your birth. You were Lord before the earth was formed. You were Lord before time and space was breathed into being. You were Lord before the cross, before the resurrection. You, will be, you were Lord before my decision to follow you. You were Lord before all things, and you will be Lord after all things. And so today we've come to praise the name of our Lord, the name of Jesus. We've come to lift you up. To lift your name high over all things, over circumstance and situation, over worry and anxiety, over sickness and cancer and fear, Lord God, over the pandemic and poverty. God, we are here to lift up your name, Jesus, above all things. Let your kingdom come today, Daddy. Let your will be done. As we lift up our hearts, our voices today to worship you, let your name be praised above it all. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. And everybody said, amen, and amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, let's just worship him together today. He's worthy to be praised today. Hallelujah. Mm, yes, Lord Jesus. God, we know that every victory is yours, Jesus, that every battle that we face and every war that is coming is in your hands. We declare your power. We declare our trust in you. You are the We will lift our eyes. We won't fear the fight. There is one who is stronger. And hard pressed on each side. And we will not
is not more powerful than him. Anxiety cannot conquer him. It's not about us overcoming for his glory. It's his glory that overcomes for our freedom. It is for freedom that Christ died so that we could become free. It's the lie of religion. Let me get right. Clean myself up. Let me, let me uh, get out of this before God, before I go to God. No, 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 no. God is the mighty warrior dressed for battle. God is the conqueror. I am more than a victor in Jesus Christ. I'm the head and not the tail. Not because I'm good enough, but because he is. There's victory in the name of Jesus today. Victory. I'm believing it's going to be on this side of the veil for you, but there's victory whether it's on this side of the veil or the other side of the veil. There's victory in Jesus today. So I'm going to, we're just going to pray for victory right now. Maybe in your life or a friend's life. Maybe you have a, a, a family member, a co-worker who needs a breakthrough. Come on, if that's you, if you need it, if you know somebody who needs it, can you just lift up your hands? We're going to believe for victory. We're going to believe for victory. We're going to believe for victory in the name of Jesus. Father, you see it all. You see the end from the beginning, Lord God. You see every decision in the midst of the middle. And I thank you that you are sovereign, Lord. I thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's not one circumstance or situation that can defy your authority. You have authority over it all. So, Daddy, I speak health, peace, prosperity, Lord God. Father, wholeness, unity in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough, freedom in Jesus' name today. Whatever the enemy throws at us, we thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper in Jesus' name. So, Father, whether these hands are raised because the person who's raising them needs a breakthrough, or whether we are standing in the gap for those around us who need it, I pray right now that you touch every one of these things in agreement according to your will and your promises. Everything Jesus paid for May it be poured out today, Holy Spirit. Pour it out today, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're the outpourer of the promises of God. So pour it out. Let it run like oil down the heads of those who need it today. We give you the glory. We're going to praise you before the answer comes. We're going to praise you before the walls of Jericho fall down. We're going to praise you because we know there's victory on its way. Because you are not a man that you should lie. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are Jesus. Your name is above all things. We praise you. We give you the glory. And in agreement, we say amen and amen. So be it. Let's give God some glory today for breakthroughs that are on their way in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Man, I am so confident of this. I'm so confident of this. That my God's love for you will work all things together for your good. Not because we're good. Can someone say amen? But for our good. I know there have been many times in my life that his good did not always feel good. And didn't always line up with what I wish was good. But when I took a step back, I saw his love was so good in my life. I want to encourage you, if you prayed today for that miracle, believe for it. Just believe for it. If you prayed for that friend, believe for that friend today. The Bible says what is impossible. Some of us are facing impossible situations. 
But the Bible says what is impossible for humanity is possible for God. I can, I can recreate a life. Mm -hmm. We have recreation, by the way. I can't create. Only he can create out of nothing. There are things impossible for you and I, but there is nothing impossible for the one who spoke the world into being, set the planets into motion, birthed a a billion, billion stars and knows them all by name. If he knows every star by name, he knows you by name. You are written on the palm of his hand. Every time he looks at his hands, he sees you. What a God we serve. That God is worthy to be praised today. So I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time being at Connect, thank you for being here. We really are so honored to have you in the house with us today. We mean it. We are so fat honored. We are a family here today in, in this church, and we want to invite you to be a part of this family. You know, as you guys are getting ready to be seated, can, because we are family, just take a few moments. Say hi to somebody next to you. May I give them an air high five or a fist pump or whatever someone's comfortable with? Just let them say hi. You know, we had an amazing thing, uh, event this past week called the, the Christmas Toy Store, and uh, we wanted to just take a moment to thank everybody who gave and who prayed and who served. Thank you so much for doing that. It was an amazing, amazing moment uh, in our church. We've been doing this for years, and it's just, it gets better all the time, and so, you know, um, we have a, well, we're going to show you just a quick video of all, uh, kind of the setup and how it looked before people came in, and We don't take pictures when people are coming in because the entire event is about dignity. The entire event is about blessing people. And uh, and this is just a a way of being able to show you a little bit of of what was set up for people as they came in. And uh, it was just a beautiful night. how, How beautiful. Pay attention really quickly to screens. Um, we were able to, to, to bless uh, over 300, 300 kids, uh, 95 families uh, had registered for uh, that, that moment. Um, we were, every family, which was so amazing, got an opportunity to get gift cards given to them. And those gift cards weren't just little bits of money. Because of your generosity, they were able to be significant gift cards. Uh, to make a difference in this season. And um, every, everybody who came, they got an a, a AO1, an Audience of One swag bag with hats and all sorts of fun stuff from AO1, who partners with us with TKC. 
Um, they got uh, goodies like cinnamon donuts and hot chocolate, and, and they got a great big Christmas breakfast box with that could do eight to ten meals, like bagels and donuts and pancake mix and all sorts of stuff. And what the most important thing is that 46 parents made decisions for Jesus on that night. And so that's why we do what we do. It's just a part of that. And so as we do more, as we uh, finally get the middle section built out, we'll be able to do these more often and in bigger ways. And so thank you. Thank you for giving. Your giving makes a difference in eternity. It makes a difference. By the way, it doesn't just make a difference in eternity. Parents who are changed today have an opportunity to set kids free for their tomorrow. And I know, I've, we've seen, Dean and I have seen enough uh, children who've had to grow up in dysfunction and have to try to get free from that dysfunction as adults. And we know the pain of that. We know how hard that is. So if we can help, if we can help change a parent today so they can release a child into their tomorrow, it's not just about getting to heaven. It's about bringing heaven into a home. And so that's what you're doing. When you pray, when you give, when you serve, that's what you did. So thank you, Connect Church. You guys are amazing. And it was incredible. So thank you from DNI. Thank you so much. Pastor Rick, you don't need to be doing this right now. Well, they told me to come up. When I, <laughs> I, got, I got the cue. And listen, I just want to let everybody know in the congregation here that uh, this Wednesday, December the 15th, Pastor Kyle. Turns it, 21. I'm not, we're not going Turns there. 21 again. We're yeah. not going there. It, <laughs> 21, but Ron. But it is, it's his birthday. It is. And we wanted to honor you today. Thanks, Brian. And, uh, you know, you've always said. You yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I love you guys. Oh, okay. I can't cry. It's before sermon. I can't cry. Thank you. It goes downhill from here. I didn't, that, was not, that wasn't part of our notes. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Am I preaching today? No. Yeah, oh, you, you might uh, have to. Kind of feel, it's, it's not going to move this stage. <laughs> right? Listen, you have always shared that leadership is influence. And your influence here in Jerusalem and Cherry Hill has been great. Your influence in Samaria throughout the United States has been unbelievable. And to the other most, most parts of the world in Nepal, your influence is felt every day. You have led us through two tornadoes, <laughs> a global pandemic. You and Pastor Danielle have gone to the internet and have had sermons and sharings in your living room made these ad great adjustments and kept us through this. Mm. You've gone from the pulpit to the living room and now back to the pulpit mm. in a larger living room. <laughs> That's right. But one of the things that uh, we admire so much about you, and I know I speak on behalf of the congregation, is the journey you have been on of self-examination, transparency, Thanks. and honesty. Thanks. And honestly, it has changed my life it has been a model for all of us to press in and, and do that as well. And your partner, Pastor Danielle, I know the two of you are a team. The way you've done together and what you're going to do again today has been 
nothing short of miraculous. In all the years that I've been a pastor since 1988, I've never experienced such rich, deep mm. pastoring and preaching in my life. And the thing I think we're greatest for is the emphasis that you're putting on bringing us closer to Jesus mm. and loving him more yeah. and then loving his people more. So we appreciate you so very, very much. This is an expression of our appreciation. Oh, I love and uh, Thank you. there's a future deposit in the bank, in the bank of Nazareth that you can collect later. God bless you. Thank I know you. we're not allowed to hug, but I'm hugging you from, no, my, I'm you hugging you from my heart. Thank you. I love you. God bless you. Thank, thank you. you, church. I love you guys. Thank you. I am a horrible gift receiver, so I will just say that right now, but I am grateful the greatest gift truly um, is not found in this bag. The greatest gift is found in this room. You guys showing up every week is uh, by far the greatest gift you could ever. <clears throat> if you ever want to bless your pastor, not me, any pastor that you, wherever God leads you, show up. And just show up for Jesus. There's just something that speaks to their heart. Because the greatest desire of their heart is not to see big churches happen. It's to see you become big people who will fall in love with a big God. And that's the greatest gift you could ever give, not only your pastor, but your spouse and yourself. So thank you for this gift, and thank you for this gift. Thank you. Uh, right. <clears throat> so I'm glad I'm not preaching the first half of this. <laughs> Time to... Um, look, since you brought your Bibles, are you guys ready for the word? Because I'm ready to, uh, we're ready uh, today. Um, since you brought your Bible, uh, why don't you open with me to the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament, written by Dr. Luke. He's a disciple of Jesus. Um, Luke chapter 1. And we're going to talk about a, a, a pretty familiar story, probably for most of us, in, um, or for many, many people. And it's uh, the story of Mary uh, and her encounter with the angel um, as, as she comes to be impregnated with, with Jesus. And uh, the, the title to our message today is Peace on Earth, because it's Advent, it's the third week of Advent, we're kind of going with Advent, uh, so we're excited about it. Um, so Dee, why don't you just kind of tell us how we got here, set the stage for us if we can. First of all, I just have to continuously thank God that we went with battery-operated candles. I know, because I'd be on fire. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a backup plan for that happening, so... But thank you, church, for that, that gift, that honor, that... Um, Truly. It was, it's just beautiful to see your devotion to the Lord. So thank you for always choosing him. Yes. Because what we share requires us always choosing him. Amen. And so I'm thankful that you give a space uh, on Sundays for a teaching of that to be our reality, um, to be talked about. So thank you. It's good, babe. Um, so this, this week, uh, for me, has been, like, it's been, like, supersized, but, like, not in the best way. <laughs> like, <laughs> God was like, I'm going to jam-pack this with as many challenges <laughs> as you can handle to see where we're at. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like when we have one challenge um, and we feel like, oh, thank the Lord, I did okay with that one that we can kind of think that we've gotten it. Yes. Right? Especially on certain topics. Like if you see growth in yourself, you're like, oh, I'm on the other side. And then like, yeah. 
then you're like, I'm right back on the other side. I was, <laughs> I was just over there. Not I was there. just up by that much. Yeah. And, and, so, and sometimes the mechanism by which I figure that out is when things come at me in multiples, mm. but simultaneously. And it's really hard um, to be thankful for that, especially when you know, if you are us, we know what we're going into this week to preach about, which is peace. Mm. And we've talked before about how peace is always so up for grabs so right. in our lives. I mean, at any given moment, like you can feel great and then just be like, wow, that was, I just went down the tubes really fast. Now everything's awful because we go by reading our emotion mm. or reading our situation to tell us if we are in peace or not. Yeah. So all of those situations put themselves in front of me this week and I found myself each time saying, God, I actually don't know like what you would have me do in this situation or what you would have me say in that situation. Do you want me to say something? Do you not want me to say something? If you do, like, what would that be exactly? And that sounds like a super healthy conversation, right? At least I'm not Truth. sitting there going, okay, what do I want out of this? Mm. What do I think about this? And let me say what I think. Or what do I, you know, what do, what, what are, what, how do I feel about this? Well, let me just tell everybody how I feel. So that was a good thing that I was saying, God, like, what would you have me do? And what was challenging is that in, in multiple situations, I wasn't hearing or an answer back. So then I start to usually do this thing where I go, okay, well, if I was to do this, and then I wait to feel awful. Mm. Like you, you create scenarios in your mind to play something out, right? Everybody does this. You have a scenario, you gotta figure out what you're gonna do, and you play it out in your mind. And then I, and then I was like, well, if I did that, I would feel I would feel probably like I did God what God wanted me to do, or now I think I would feel awful, but I wasn't actually hearing him. Yeah. So it got to the point where I was getting really frustrated, and I felt like I heard myself outside of myself. For a split second, I got to hear the real me in that stressful situation. Yep. And I was like, I, if you could just tell me what you want me to do or not do, then I won't have that feeling I feel when I feel like I got something wrong. Mm. Like when, I, when you miss the mark on something. And there was something that just said, that's not, that's not your best reason yeah. to try to do what I would have you to do. Because I realized that I was not aiming to bring, to bring pleasure to God. I was aiming not to feel displeasure yes, from him. Yes, yes. So I was starting Different. to read my read on guilt. Mm -hmm. If I do this or I don't do this, am I going to feel guilty? And I was using that as my gauge to tell me if this is what I do, then God will be happy with me, and then I'll have my peace. Yep. Does that sound familiar yep. to anyone else's totally. process? Yep. Of, right? So... I kind of felt God's sadness, honestly, so I sat with it because I, and I did not want to do that. Let me just emphasize that to the nth degree. I just wanted to know what to do, and then I wanted to do it. But I sat with the fact that I realized that my driving motivation when multiple things came onto the table 
was to make sure that I could do the thing that I believed would please God so that I wouldn't have to dwell and cohabitate with his displeasure. Yes. And what I realized is that God was saying, I know that you're trying to figure out the what. I get it. And I even value that. But what I really want is opportunity right now with you. That's what I'm really looking for, opportunity to commune with you about all of this so that at the end of this, your goal, Danielle, is not to understand what you were or were not supposed to do, but how I felt about all of those people involved and what you could bring to them. Mm. Not what to do, but how to be a conduit of peace and reconciliation. And I think I was thinking that to have a clear conscience was to be at peace. Mm. But how many of us know that there are times where you will feel like you have done the right thing? You have put something before God. You don't feel like you got it wrong, but you still don't feel like peace is occupying in you internally. And I actually think that that's a beautiful gift from God because if he was a God of rule and law, he would just be pleased when we followed the rule and the law. And he would not care about the fact that that scenario didn't bring us in intimacy with one another. He would just be like, great, I got another robot to do the thing that I wanted the robot to do. And we're going to read the scripture now because this is what I contemplate when I think about Mary. Because Mary was told the Lord is with you. And how often do we define peace as the Lord is with you. When the Lord is with you, you will know peace. So Kay's going to read from Luke right now. Yeah, Dia, I love what you just said, by the way, before we even hop in, because it's, it's really to understand that. It's to understand the why, not just live by the law of the what. And if living by the law of the what was what God was looking for, Jesus would have never had to come, because they already had the law of the what. The law of the what wasn't what God was looking for. It was understanding the why, because the why revealed who he is. It's that, it's that draw to him. Everything that God is about is about drawing us closer to him. Not about us being right, but it's about us understanding who he is, which is right. So this is, this is, we're going to see this right here in this text. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And again, probably a very familiar text to, to many people, at least the story anyway. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph on the, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. You can underline that. Think about that. God says, You're favored. And her response is, Oh, crap. Right? I mean, that's what the scripture She was troubled. She was worried. She was stressed out and tried to discern, tried herself to figure out what God was talking about. How many of us have lived that kind of life? We hear what God's saying, and then we try our best to figure it out. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Come on. And his name shall be called Jesus. Verse 38, hop down. And Mary's response to this now was, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. 
And at that moment, the angel departed. Right. So then this is love this. This is uh, it would have been easy, actually, to find like, let's search all the verses for peace. Right. Exactly. And then talk about peace the way that we expect it, which is to be. Um, it's never really worked out for any of us. <laughs> so we're it's, like, it's like you, you, you need to be at peace. Yeah, just be at peace. With, when someone tells you that, you're like, thanks. I would love to know exactly how to do that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because we, like I said before, we don't usually think about it connected to the Lord is with you. Yep. And so we're reading this, and again, we have the benefit of having hindsight. So how many of you, I, I asked this a couple weeks ago, how many of you were either um, raised or in or have uh, often visited uh, Catholic Church? Because I was raised Catholic. Okay, all right, great. So this is... So Welcome s- to the Northeast. <laughs> right, right. So sometimes this can be especially tricky for those of us who have that in our background yeah. because this was not the Mary of masses. Right. This wasn't the Mary with all the statues. This wasn't the Mary that caused people to do make pilgrimages. This wasn't the Mary of prayers. Right. This is Mary pre-worship. Right? Yeah. This is Mary pre-honor. This is Mary pre-glory. This is, this Mary that we're talking about, this Luke 1 Mary, this is Mary the accused. Mm, yep. This Mary is Mary the judged. This Mary is Mary the whore. This Mary that we're reading about is Mary, queen of sins. And I'm talking about in the eyes of the public. Because when we read the scripture, we understand that God called her favored. But if we were to read the public, yes. that would not be how that story read. Yep. So we have to think of her more like ourselves and less of someone who could not struggle with fear. Otherwise, why is the angel saying? Correct. Fear not. Correct. Just because she was Mary, it didn't make her immune to being human. Yes. So she is me, and I am her in this situation. She's not the Hail Mary full of grace. Right. She is Mary trying to figure out how to be obedient, (laughs) how to be yielded, and how to be a daughter to Christ, even when everyone else had different labels for her. Yes. That's really difficult. That is really hard to get out from under. That is really hard to hear even an angel say to you, the Lord is with you, and believe it. Yeah, wow. Because you know what else is with you in those moments? Voices. Yes. The other thing that's with you are things that you're hearing, other, the things that, you're, that have contributed to being who you are, good, bad, and indifferent. Those are all part of the makeup of what you're hearing as a person, as well as hearing this angel say, the Lord is with you. Wow. And so I tried to like, think about this. God, so you're saying that she is supposed to be at peace. 
when everything in the natural is not peaceful. Yes. Yep. And that's really hard, church, to be at peace when the atmosphere surrounding your life is chaotic. Yes. When it's judgmental. Yep. When it's falling apart. When you're not sure who believes you and who doesn't, who's for you, who's against you. This is real life. And it, and it started to make me really consider that of all the things God would have that angel say to her, he would say to tell her that the Lord is with her. And it forced me once again to look at how we have packaged Christianity. Because a lot of us will say, like, I, I, I know the Lord is with me. Like, I, I know he's with me. I, never, I know he's never left me. He's been with me. I've done some stuff, and I know that he's been with me even in that, and I just know that he's with me. Yep. And that's kind of how we've packaged Christianity to sound when it comes to talking about the Lord being with us and being at peace. But something is terribly wrong with that packaging, church. You know, at the beginning of, um, at the, beginning of the pandemic, uh, I was uh, diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, which is uh, a, a problem with your thyroid when your, um, the good parts of you attack. Um, the parts that were, they're supposed to be working together with, they, they come against it instead. Yep. And it really has been challenging, to say the least. And so uh, I, was I was already on medicine for my thyroid. But when this happened, when this diagnosis came through, my, I had to change my medication because there's no cure for that. So one day I came home from the pharmacist and I took, you know how they put the medicine in a bag and then hand you the bag? So I took the medicine out of the bag and without even realizing it, I, I remember thinking, oh, something's wrong with that. And I, I did at first didn't know why I thought that. So. I opened it up, and I moved, when I brought it upstairs, I said it again. There's something wrong with that. And what I realized is that over time of being treated for this, I had somehow learned without realizing it what the sound mm. of that medicine in that bottle yep. sounded like. Yes. So when that bottle jostled, I, I somehow knew from instinct that doesn't sound what, like it always sounds like. It's good news. So for some reason, I did not open the bottle. I took the label and I searched everything on this label with my old prescription and I'm like, everything is right. Everything is, the, it's, it's from the same place, it's from the same, it's from the same doctor, I went through all this and I'm like, but it says it's right. Like a normal person would open the bottle. Yeah, and yeah, look yeah, at yeah, it. yeah. But I don't know why, but I was like, it can't be wrong. I just remember thinking that, like this came from a pharmacy. So it can't be wrong, like they don't get that wrong. And then I finally was like, well, I guess I should open this up. And I opened it up, and sure enough, it was the wrong medicine. And then I realized, oh, no. Like, I could get someone in trouble. Mm -hmm. But yep. I can't go without this medicine, right. so what do I do now? Um, and I bring that up because that's what I feel like has happened with Christians. Like, the label is still saying what the label is supposed to say. But without us even realizing, people are listening to what the interior of our life sounds like. Wow. And they are saying something's wrong with that. Yes. 
And they might not even always be able to tell us what is wrong, but they know something is not as it should be. Yes. So when we tell people, the Lord is with me, but they have seen us walk through our lives mm -hmm. and something isn't matching, they're saying inside of them, something's not right there. And the reason is, is because we look at peace like this. I want peace, something to be with me. But God is saying, I am Jehovah Shalom. Yes. So I am actually peace. peace. So is my peace safe if I deposit it with you? And he knew that Mary was not perfect, but he knew that Mary would be someone who would keep his peace safe. Yes. Because it would not just be something she was looking to feel. It was something she was devoted to carry. Yep. And when you're devoted to carrying something, you're all the more aware that you carry it not for yourself to feel it, but for other people to know it because it's a him. Yes, so right. No, D, I mean, I think, I think what you just said is so right because I think sometimes we, in our minds, we think, well, I didn't, I, I'm not rejecting Jesus. But peace isn't in just not rejecting him. It's, it, we lose peace when we don't surrender and live in that place of surrender to his presence. Like, like Peter around that fire. When around the, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't reject Jesus being the Messiah, he just doesn't surrender to who he who Jesus is in that presence. Jesus was there in the presence of him. He, he didn't he didn't actually connect with who Jesus was in the presence right there. And the result of that was that he didn't Peter didn't go to hell for that. Peter didn't uh, die because of that. Lightning didn't come down and strike him because of that. But he lost peace. He lost a sense of peace because there was not a surrendering. To who God was in that moment. God was always with him. Jesus didn't reject him. He had a lack of surrender to the presence of Jesus in that moment. That's, that's what we see in this text. The question in this text is not whether God was with Mary or not. That's settled in the very first proclamation. I am with you. The question is not whether God is with us. The question is are we with him? Or do we allow distance between us and him to become a normal situation and live in such a moment of dis-ease that we've started to cause the dis-ease our ease, yeah. our normal moment? And, and, and I think that that's the only time she got peace was after yielding, after her surrender. And I think this is the, di the, the, the difference, babe, between what we've really been trying to encourage church. This is where we've been encouraging you. The difference between being a believer and a disciple and taking that extra step. Because, come on, as a believer, the truth is the moment that we accept Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 5 says, he'll never leave me, never forsake me. So the question is not whether he is with me. He is with me. Then why do I get stressed out? Then why do I worry? Then why do I lose peace? It's not that he stops being with me, right? And there's beautiful, there, 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 there's, there's beauty in that truth that he is with me. There's, but the problem, I think, for so many of us is that's where we have learned to live our, from our position from. That becomes our foundation. Well, God's with me, so this is where we move from. 
And there is benefit to that. But the problem is when that becomes how we view life, view God, view theology, it becomes a me-centric gospel. God's with me, so I'm good. God's with me, so I'm good. But disciples aren't saying, is God with me? They know he is. Discipleship is asking the question, am I positioned with him? Am I surrendered to who he is? It's not, is he with me? It's, am I with him? And not let anything get in between that. Come on. How many as moms know this? Moms know this, man. When you're carrying your baby, you don't let it. When you're carrying your baby, you don't let anybody get in between that. Like, especially now in the pandemic, people come up. Oh, can I touch you? You'd you be like, no, get away, right? I don't know where your hand's been. I don't know who you've been around. Where you been from? Where, where, where'd you come? No, no. You, you won't let anything, come on, get in between you and your, what you're carrying. It's not just that you have a baby with you. It's are you protecting the baby, the relationship there? I think the challenge when it comes to peace, and this is where it is for all of us, is that in the natural we try to make peace happen. We try to make peace happen. It's part, and what we have to understand, it's part of the fall. This is a part of the legacy that Adam and Eve left us. Genesis 3, 7 says, after they fell, the first thing that they did is knit together some clothes out of fig leaves, put themselves, put it on themselves, and hid. What were they doing? When God showed up, they were trying to present to God their most acceptable version of themselves. What do I believe will be the most acceptable version to God of myself? What will be most pleasing? How many of us try to do that all the time? When we're in circumstance or situations that are a little uncomfortable, when the situation is a little stormy, we, we're like, let me, let, me, let, me, let me make myself look as most acceptable, most pleasing to that person so that I could fit in. My friends, that's in your spiritual DNA. It's fallen DNA. That's where it comes from. So we put a smile on our face when we go to that family member's house. We choose not to act in a way that we know would bother somebody. We move a boundary to keep people happy. Why? Because we are interested in presenting the most acceptable version of ourselves that we believe will keep peace. That's the challenge. The challenge for us is when it comes to peace... We are still trying to make it happen, trying to produce it by how we act or don't act, what we allow in our lives or what we don't allow in our lives. But peace, my friends, is not a result of production. Peace is a result of a presence, a presence. I'm hitting a dead zone. That's not good. Hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to burn down the stage. <laughs> oh, thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't know if that'll help, John. I'm just, I see every time he's leaning back, we hit that yeah, it's, it's probably dead me. space. Yeah. Wow, we're a lot closer. Hi, babe. How you Hi. doing? <laughs> but look, peace is not a result of a production. It's a result of a presence. The Bible actually says Mary got pregnant with peace. Mary got pregnant with peace. Isaiah, the great prophet, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says what we quoted already this morning. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, this Christmas child, and he shall be called the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Peace 
is his dominion. Peace is where his authority reigns. Peace comes from his presence in our lives. That's where peace is. She surrendered, and then the Holy Spirit moved. She surrendered, let it be done unto me. Then the Bible says the Holy Spirit came on her and impregnated her with peace. So many of us are trying to, come on, have the Holy Spirit move without the surrender. We want the Holy Spirit to move in that relationship, move in that uh, family situation, move in that marketplace, move in the place where we are un, uh, uh, at dis-ease, but without the surrender. No, she surrendered, come on, then she got pregnant with peace. After, but even after surrendering, and this is what you said earlier, we have to recognize even after surrendering, she, had, she still had situations in her life, relational situations, community situations, religious situations that had the potential to bring problems into her life. Yet after responding to this word and surrendering to the word, the word brought inside of her, impregnated her with peace. That gave her the ability to alter her life from that place of peace. Many times we are trying to alter our life to get peace, not alter our life from a place of peace. The truth is, even after she surrenders, right, all the babies die. All the babies are still there. The carriage still kills all the babies. She still has friends who lost children. She still has loved ones and, and, and children and people around her who are mourning she still has to flee, my friends. She still has to flee into exile as an immigrant into Egypt. She still was getting side-eye by friends and family members in her community. The reality is choosing to live in surrender to his peace will cause us to have to relocate. When we surrender, it's going to cause you to have to relocate. She had to relocate to Egypt. She had to re Peace took her to Egypt. That means, look, we're going to have to, when we surrender to peace, relocate in relationships. It doesn't always mean cut off relationship. It means relocate in them. Relocate in our priorities. Come on. Relocate in when we're going through our emotional moments. We have to relocate. See, living in peace causes us, when we live from a place of peace, not to try to manufacture peace, it actually will cause us to relocate. The problem with that re relocation is that it will also make us feel like a foreigner in our own life. Foreigner in your families, foreigner with your coworkers, foreigner with the people that you are trying to fit in with. You're going to feel like a foreigner, even in your own life. You've, if you've been around this church long enough, you've heard Pastor Dean and I preach and uh, teach on Matthew 5, 9, which is Jesus teaching in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. He did not say peacekeepers. We are trying to keep peace because God is with us when the God who's with us calls us to make peace. We've got to recognize in this moment that when we are surrendering ourselves to peace, peace comes with a sacrifice. Peace, peace comes with a price. It just will. Colossians 1.20, uh, Paul says, how did you and I get peace? By the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's a sacrificial moment that causes us to relocate and maybe feel like a foreigner. I feel like there's something that God wants me to add to what yeah. I said earlier. Um, and I felt like I actually, I was talking to him about this this morning as I was getting ready. And I really feel like he 
helped me have understanding for myself, but I, I just, so that's why I wasn't going to share it, but just now I felt that maybe, because it coincides with what you were just yeah. saying, is that um, a lot of times, uh, as it, it just as pastors, we carry a lot of other people's pain. True. So, like, you have your own. Yep. And then you have what you know is sorrowful for other people. And so there's times when people don't sometimes understand what they see on me often. Mm -hmm. And what they'll think is that it, what, what, can, what can be misunderstood um, it, as a lack of peace can actually be the presence of mourning. Because there's a lot of times, church, where yep. you're going to yep. have a lot of sacrificial loss yep. if you live for peace. And when you have that, there are things that you are going to have to mourn. Yep. And I think sometimes we, we switch. We think like peace and joy are the same things, but it's all a part of the spirit of God. It is. But there are different journeys. So there's a lot of times where I know that I am at peace with the decision that we've made, yeah. you know, where, where we've chosen to take the church, how we've chosen to lead and pastor, blah, blah, blah. But there is a lot of loss in those decisions. Absolutely. And it doesn't often mess with my peace only because I, we, we are, it's a painstaking time that we take sometimes Absolutely. to make those larger decisions. But it doesn't mean that my joy is not touched. Absolutely. And that is something that I think we have to make sure that we're clear on with what you're talking about because you, you say like you may want peace, but what you're really probably looking for is the result in your mind, which is then joy. Yeah, and happiness, yeah. But there is a spiritual relief that you get when you are committed to walking in peace that you may not experience in the natural because sometimes things stay splintered. Absolutely. Sometimes Absolutely. situations don't get resolved the way that you wished so that you would experience joy because you're thinking that situation needs to have peace. But sometimes a situation can only have as much peace as you have with God over it. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, look, just for some of us in this room today, just deciding to come back to church has uh, made you a foreigner with some of your friends. But you know this is where peace lies. Sometimes it's, it's, it's being willing to forgive that person who's a, 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 that spouse or that victimizer who other family members think you're crazy for doing, feeling like a foreigner. But you know this is where peace lies. Sometimes it, it's, it's setting a healthy boundary, come on, with, with people that make you feel like a foreigner because people don't like with the, or agree with the boundary you set. But you know that's where peace lies. And that's what Dee's talking about. The truth is that peace often will take us, just like it took Mary, to foreign lands to keep us from the death the enemy would bring us if we stayed unmoved. If she had not left, she would have died. Herod was killing the babies. If she had not left, if she had not been willing to be moved by peace, the peace that was birthed inside of her would have died. That's what happens when we're un being unmoved being unwilling to be unmoved by those things. Yep, sometimes it's going to feel like foreign, or sometimes we got to be moved and relocated. Why? Because without that, there's going to be death. That's why we need surrender. I, you were just talking about painful situations. This week I had a situation, an opportunity um, that was really dear to me that I wanted to be a part of. 
And uh, because of certain boundaries and things that are in our life, um, I'm not able to be a part of it. And uh, there's a lot of hurt and sadness with it. Um, and uh, I could have. I could have just been a part of it to keep the peace, to, because I know what other people are going to say when I'm not a part of it, keep my reputation. But I would have lost the internal peace that I have with God. And see, it's easy for us to say, well, Kyle, that's then a no-brainer. <laughs> no, because it hurts. <laughs> no, because there's a lot of pain and a lot of sadness and a lot of disappointment for not being able to be a part of it. But I didn't lose my peace. These are those moments in 2 Corinthians 4.17 that Paul says, uh, these light and momentary afflictions. How many of you know sometimes when you make these decisions, they don't feel so light, and they don't feel so momentary? But they're only light and momentary when we, you and I view them from the light of eternity, and the fact that if I move from this place and compromise this place, it doesn't lead me to a deeper sense of glory with who he is. See, as, as a disciple, I have to make this decision. I don't want anything to get between me and him. As a believer, here's my, honest, here's my honesty. As a believer growing up, I often made decisions to not let anything get between me and them. As a disciple, I have to make a decision not to let anything get between me and him. And sometimes it takes light and momentary affliction. And it makes me feel like a foreigner in my own family. A foreigner in my own friend group. A foreigner in the people that I want to fit in with. A foreigner in my dreams and hopes. But I don't, I'm not trying to create a place of peace. I have to move from a place of peace and allow that peace to help influence the decisions that I make. I, I, I was encouraged, and I'm going to close in a second. I was encouraged by the next chapter, and you guys know the story too. In Luke 2, when he tells the story about when the angels show up to the to the shepherds, and they, they, the heavenly host shows up and says, peace on earth, right? And goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great song. And I want to sing with it. It's awesome. But so I was thinking about that. I was like, man, there's nowhere more calm and peaceful than being a shepherd in the middle of the night on some Galilean hill where you're seeing the stars and the, you're sitting by a fire, all the sheep are asleep. Come on, that's, but then I remember there's a difference between being in calm and being in peace. And a lot of us confuse those two things, being in calm and being in peace. Because they were in calm in their situation. But their situation was, calm, was in calm because of enemy occupation. It was the Roman soldiers, the Roman military that kept their land calm. That kept all the uprisings down. And I realized that in my own life and in our lives as Christians, so often we allow ourselves to stay in calm by allowing the enemy to occupy what should otherwise be holy ground. My friends, 
Peace will only come by his presence reigning. He is the prince of peace. It is his presence that brings his domain into the midst of it. It is not calm, it is peace. Holiness and holiness alone is when we surrender those things to God that would keep us from him. Keep us from being pregnant with his peace. I read this quote this week from Oswald Chambers, the great teacher and thinker. I wanted to share it with you. Have you ever realized that you can give things to God that are of value to him? Or are you just sitting around daydreaming about the greatness of his redemption while neglecting all the things you could be doing for him? I'm not referring to works which could be regarded as divine or miraculous, but ordinary, simple things, things which would be evidence to God that you are totally surrendered to him. Have you ever asked yourself the question, how in the world did Mary go from greatly troubled to being at peace? One simple phrase. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Let it be done unto me according to your word. And the entire world changed. It didn't get calm. It didn't stop having struggles. It didn't stop breaking her heart. Because that road led to her standing at the foot of the cross and watching her son die and go through hell, literal hell. But in that one phrase, everything changed. I wonder how much would change in our lives. It will never change him being with you. Because the moment you accept Jesus, that is a done deal for all eternity. But it might, no, it will change how you are with him. Let it be done unto me, Daddy, according to your word. Get pregnant with him. You will never be able to manufacture and produce what only his presence can bring. Can we pray? We're all going to pray in just a moment together, but I want to pray for you today. Because I believe that because the flesh is so strong in this area, That it's so easy for us to agree, but then automatically begin to compromise even in the agreement. Daddy, forgive us for the times we've allowed the enemy to occupy what should otherwise be holy ground so that we could keep the calm rather than live in your peace. All we desire is for your name to be glorified and for you to be honored. For us to be able to love you even more and make you feel loved.
but who we are. My friends, today, if you are feeling at dis-ease with God, if you are feeling like you don't have a sense of peace and his presence in your life, I'm going to invite you to just take a moment and surrender. And I mean surrender. It really is not just an acceptance. It's, it's a surrender. It's a, God, I don't have this all figured out, and I probably never will, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust my life with you. That's what this moment has come to. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus came so that there was never has to be a separation between you and him ever again. The Bible simply says today, if you will ask him with your mouth to be Lord and Savior of your life and believe what he did on the cross and through the resurrection was enough, then today you'll be saved. Today the, the gap will be closed. And when you ask Jesus to be your Savior, he comes into your life. And from that moment forward, he'll never leave and never forsake you. But when you ask Jesus also to be your Lord, it means that you want to be with him and let nothing get in between. So whether this is your first time praying this with us or whether you know today there's too much distance between you and Jesus, this is your time to come back to him. I'm just going to pray. We're all going to pray together. But if that's your decision today, as I hope it is, can you pray with me? Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my whole life. I'm not holding anything back. I'm all in. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be both my Savior and my Lord. Therefore, I surrender all my rights to you today. I'm confessing my sin, and I'm asking you to forgive me. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your peace. Let me live from that place that I may give you the glory. Give me the strength to relocate where I need to relocate. That I may live with you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer today, whether for the first time or whether this is a moment really that you want to mark your life, can I encourage you to do one thing? After service, before you walk out that door, come see Pastor Rick right over here. You already know him. He was up here earlier today, but Pastor Rick has an incredible book, both for adults or for uh, Gen, Gen Zers, that can explain the decision you made. Because this isn't just about deciding to go to heaven. This is about deciding to, to live a life that brings heaven to earth. We're going to be more proud of you and more excited for you. Yep. Oh, no, there we go. 
It's my extra weight of uh, Christmas on the mic cord back here, I'm sure. Uh, like no one else is carrying the Christmas 20. Uh. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is God's heart towards him. I hope that is your heart towards him. I hope that's your heart towards his bride. So today, we're going to worship in just a moment, but before we do, as an act of worship of giving back to God, can I encourage you to keep worshiping God with the giving of your gifts back to him? You know, we don't take offering in church simply because it keeps the lights on or pays the rent. It does all those things. But like everything else from start to finish in this service, it's about an opportunity to worship. And I hope that's how you see it. And I, I, I always rejoice in these moments, especially around Christmas time, because it reminds me, I don't have to really be reminded at Christmas time, that I'm not the initiator in giving. I'm the responder. He loved me. I love him back. He sent his son. He gave, so I give. He brought me near, so I stay near. What an amazing God we have who doesn't choose us based on our socioeconomic class, our background, our record, our educational status. He chooses us out of one criteria and one criteria alone. He loves you. And when we give into offering, it's just a way, not the way, a way of loving him back. So can I encourage you to be a part of that today? You can do it with those envelopes that are there uh, on the rows around you. You can drop in those gold uh, kiosks on the way out. You can always give, uh, as you see on the screens, through Linktree, through your phone, through the app. There's a thousand ways to do it. But can I encourage you, don't miss opportunities to give. Because they're not opportunities just to give. They're opportunities to love. To love him back for all he's given us. Amen? Amen. Why don't you guys stay with me? I'm just going to pray over the offering even before it comes. Hallelujah. Father, what a great gift you've given us. The gift of peace. The gift of your presence. The gift of your love, your forgiveness, your redemption. Thank you, Daddy, for paying the price that we could not pay. Thank you for making a way when we couldn't make our own. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable, for forgiving us when we were steeped in sin, for coming to us when we were running away from you. My God, thank you. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to give back to you, Daddy. To give to your bride that you love so much. To make a difference in your world. We sow today knowing that it will not only bless you, but that you will bless the gift and the giver. That you will bless people through it. 
That lives, just like at the Christmas store, not only this, these lives will be changed, but we're believing as we've sown into those lives, Lord God, whether they're in this room or they're watching on, uh, online, whether they never step foot in this church, we know the generations are going to be changed. We're believing. We're thanking you for that, Lord God. Because when we give, we can never outgive you. You release back a hundredfold. I thank you and I praise you. You are worthy, worthy, worthy of praise. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, you got to love it when the children say amen. Hallelujah. Come on, Jakey. Let's just worship him together today.
Daddy, may that be our heart's cry today. Don't just come fill this room, fill this place in our heart. This place of worry, of concern, of trying, striving, struggling, Lord God, just come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Hallelujah. You know, church, before we go, I want to invite you back to two things. I want to invite you back next Sunday. I'm going to be sharing on what Pastor D talked about a little bit today about joy. It's so great that we sing this song, Joy to the World, the Lord has come, and that yet struggle to find joy in the world he came to. If you struggle with sometimes finding joy, if you have a friend or a neighbor or a co-worker that struggles finding joy, why don't you take the risk and invite them next week? And of course, I want to invite you back to our Christmas Eve Eve service. At this church, we have a tradition. It's Christmas Eve Eve service. Christmas Eve Eve. That's going to be our Christmas service this year. It's at 7 o'clock on December 23rd. And it's going to be a special night. It's going to be packed, I'm believing. And if you've ever been to one of those services, you know it's so special, so beautiful, but also the traffic is so crazy. You know that song that Christmas guy is like, the traffic is so ter her, uh, terrific. What? Whoever wrote that song did not live in the Northeast. It is not the traffic is so terrific, it's so horrific. So plan on coming early. Plan on being here Christmas Eve Eve, just as we prepare our hearts for the arrival of our King. Church, we love you so much. Thank you for giving us your heart. Thank you for giving us your time. And thank you for giving God your ear today. May the word that was sowed find good soil. And may you reap a hundredfold of all the blessing that he can bring through his word into your life. When she surrendered to the word, the word impregnated her with peace. Go now, carrying his peace and walking in his favor. God bless you, church. We love you. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless you.